I was just sitting there, I said, I'm, I'm not quite sure what God's doing this morning. Because there's a slightly different dynamic. Uh, I said, my, my impression is that God's stirring things up. And he's stirring things up because we're going to get to the position where we can go, oh, good grief, and, and die of fright. Or we can say, right, right. I know where I am. I know what you're doing, Lord, and I'm, I'm in. Um, so it's no, it's no coincidence that we've got Corey coming back to talk about the revelation of Jesus in the end times. It's no coincidence that we're gathering people together at Touchpoint. Yeah? And as you just reminded me, this is a month. We're, we're over halfway through this, this Hebraic month now, but it is a month of transition. And transition sometimes is not that pleasant. So I think what we need to be doing, I think, I, well, I'm convinced that God is bringing us through transition, individually and corporately. And I think it's just a question of getting in to what he's doing. We prayed about a number of things this morning in, in the watch, supremacy of Christ over Europe, assisted dying bill, migration and persecution, poverty in the UK. We had a, a good outward focus this morning. In some ways it does turn in because a lot of that ends up with, well, the church has got to be rising up and taking its place. Yeah? And if you look, uh, un underneath that, I, we came in yesterday to pray and, I, and, and from Friday's session, I don't know if you were leading it, it was about the, the completion of this Hebraic year. We're coming up in two or three weeks' time to the beginning of a new Hebraic year. Okay? And it's a year of Jubilee. Because this is a Shemitah. I'm not going to go into all those details now. But a year of Jubilee sounds great. Because it's the return of things to the owners. The issue with all that is, God starts to take back that which is his. Alright? And if we're not there... There's some huge, huge repercussions that will be felt throughout the earth. And we need to know for sure where we stand and what God's doing. And some of this stuff we can pray, we can stand against, but we have to also realize that God's got his hand on this stuff. And if God's pouring his wrath out, and no matter how we stand against it, no matter how we pray against it, nothing's going to change because God is doing what God needs to do. Suzanne said um, last week during one of the prayer sessions, I can't remember which one it was, but just a little phrase she said in praying that I thought, oh, that's quite significant. And I can't remember the exact words, but she said it's about we're going to get to the stage or the day when all the options that we've got in front of us will be wrong. Yeah? And I thought, yeah. Because most of the options that we see before us the options for solutions to all of this are options that the governments are going to put forward and people who don't know God are going to be putting forward. They're all going to be wrong. Because all the solutions proposed by government will not solve any of these issues. Because God's wrath is being poured out. And it takes more than a bit of legislation to stop that. It will take the church standing up, repenting. Yeah? Repenting in sackcloth. This is a month that we focus on repentance and forgiveness. We've done that in a few of the prayer meetings as well. This is really a time of transition. And as we start, as we think about entering a new year, I had on the board, I think, it's about completing this year right. 
not quite sure what that looks like, but it's about completing this year right with a view to starting off the next year. Yeah? And, and, and the transition period is going to go from this year, I believe, through into the beginning of next year. I read in the, uh, in the business section of the Times last Saturday, one of the headlines was market meltdown set to eclipse 2008 crash. I'm reading the article, a little quote here from one of the traders that was saying, the market is headed for a nice little crisis in September or October. None of this is surprising, is it? None of this is surprising. We saw on the news, I'm sure, about the, the, two, um, the two boats carrying the refugees that uh, overturned off of Libya. And was it 200 drowned or a lot of people? I think it was 200 drowned. They then had um, talking to other people um, based in some of these camps and said they're expecting another 200,000 migrants to come into some of these camps. Lesbos, yeah. Another 200,000 Next year, or before the end of the year, or but you know, and that's that you can see. Okay, we know why people are doing that because they have to get out of where where they are. But they're coming to a place, and I prayed a bit about it this morning. Watch, they're coming to a place where they think is better, and it's not. It's not because it's still under the influence of darkness. It's not the you know the lovely pastors knew that they think. But also, in the midst of all that, people are making money out of this. There's the, the, the lorry, the refrigerated lorry with, was it 70 or 80 dead migrants in? That just seems to have been abandoned by the roadside in Austria. Decomposing bodies from people who have no doubt paid good money to get a new life. And these traffickers have possibly just stopped the lorry, got out, walked off with the money in their back pocket, and left them to die. You know, none of that's a surprise. And it's going to get worse, is it not? It's going to get worse, because it has to come to fullness. We have to get to that tipping point. I'm not saying we, it's no good praying, of course it is. Yeah? We can still pray for God's grace and mercy, but his wrath is beginning to be poured out. There's, um, we saw, some of us saw in, in, in the Burton Mail, you know, they're talking about building a new mosque in Burton, which is going to be the biggest in Europe. 1,500 capacity. They've got a mosque on this site already, but they've also bought the industrial site next to it. And now they're talking about planning. Yeah? What are we doing? What's, what's our place? in all of this. Globalization, postmodern culture, human trafficking, all evidence we're entering the beginning phrase of Satan's endgame. Yeah, his final onslaught to pave the way for the Antichrist. See, in the same way that the migrants are coming out of Syria and the like because they think something's better, yeah, we're going to go there because that seems good, we'll sign up to that. The whole world is going to see something they think better and say, yeah, we'll sign up to it, little knowing they're signing up to Satan's endgame plan, because it will seem better. How long can our financial policies, yeah, irresponsible financial policies be sustained? We know 
Like, we only got to look at Greece and, yeah, we know that it can't be sustained. Nothing accelerates change like crisis. Paving the way for a single global e-currency to begin the journey toward unconditional surrender of national sovereignty and the tyranny of the Antichrist that will soon follow. We've got the European Union at the moment. It, it, you know, we know it goes on. It goes on. Yeah, One world, world currency, world central bank, world stock market will come at some stage because the world will think this is the right way to go because it seems good. But we know, or do we know? That's the key for us, isn't it? As God's children, as believers. Will we just get on the bandwagon? Or will we say, hold on, this is not right? A centralized global financial system will initiate the cascade to usher in a new world order. Which the Bible says is going to happen before Jesus comes back. Undisturbed pursuit of wealth and easy living instead of seeing the power of God manifested. Yeah? And we're all sucked into that in some way. The current mindset and lifestyle of Western Christianity will not survive the oncoming crisis. Our biggest problem, we serve a God who will stop at nothing to possess wholehearted worshippers. The God who used Nebuchadnezzar to refine his people. The God who overturned the tables in the temple. And the God who will go to any extreme to drive out compromise. These are serious times. And I believe God is shaking us even this morning. Because we've got to make some decisions. We've got some choices to make individually. Everything's going to be shaken. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrows. We know We know the scripture. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he is a short time. As darkness increases, and it will do, then the brightness of the church, this is a golden opportunity in many ways, isn't it? That the brightness of the church has to start to shine brighter. Every realm of the created order will be touched by God's wrath. And the Bible says, men's hearts failing them from fear and expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So hence I said, God, you know, if we feel sufficiently shaken, we'll either be paralyzed with fear or we'll say, I know what's going on and I know who I am in what's going on and I know who he is in what's going on. Yeah? And what's more, world, I can tell you that this is going to happen And if you come over here with me, how many people in the church are in that position? To say to the world, this is what's going on, and over here is going to be okay. But the last generations will be empowered to overcome Babylon the Great and the Antichrist. And that could be us, it could be the next generation. We're close. We don't know, do we? But we're We're pretty close. Now, Jesus wants us to be alert and able to discern the signs of the times, it says in Matthew 13. We are to watch. We have to be alert and able to discern the times of the signs. 
And that's just not, not just about telling people what Hebrew monthly is. It's about recognizing where we are in God's timeline and recognizing what the next step is and recognizing what we need to do in that place. We need to understand, don't we, what God's going to do, how he's going to do it, and why he's going to do it. What he's going to do, and the Bible's quite clear about some of the things he's going to do, how he's going to do it, there's some references to that, isn't there? But we need, to be, we need to be watching, discerning, and why he's going to do it. So we're praying the right thing as well. To say, we don't want to be praying against what God's doing. Daniel 12, 4, 10. Daniel was mentioned this morning. Daniel 12, 4, 10. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Are we going to be the wise that understand? As knowledge does increase. Knowledge will increase for a purpose, for a reason. See, Daniel was separated unto God. I'm not going to look into Daniel now, but you, you know Daniel. Daniel was separated unto God. Now, he understood past prophecy so that he could prophesy into the future. He was able to connect. And angels were dispatched at his words. That's awesome, isn't it? So God will move at the sound of your voice and my voice. And we can be confident that heaven will back up what we say. But we have to make sure what we're saying is in a line with what God's will, plan and purpose is. Otherwise we can't expect heaven to back up. God will purify and ready the bride for the coming of his son. And that's partly what we've said we're about here. It's about preparing the church for Jesus' return. It's about mobilising. We're about preparing, positioning. So we can start to see what, what hap- what's happening. We know what's happening. There's a word that Chuck released um, during the week, I think it was. And I've got a couple of lines here. He says, gain revelation from the changes that occur this week. And he's talking about the fact that China is manipulating the markets. Everyone thought that the American yeah, Central Reserve was the leader in the market. No. China is manipulating things now. And we've seen shares lose money across the globe because of what China is doing in propping up their own systems. Gain revelation from the changes that occur this week. Ask for angelic assistance on how to move. Because we can understand it, but we need to know what we need to do with that understanding. God gives us the knowledge and revelation for a reason, not just so we can puff ourselves up and say, what, we know it. So what? There will be one more great shaking in the next month, says Chuck. But he also says that he prophesied earlier on, what I prophesied was that we wouldn't start seeing the new order of that shift until mid-February into March. The next six months, beginning now, 
will be key for you to understand the changes in the field so you can see a shift in my provision in days ahead. Do not be fearful. Be at peace. Make your changes and watch me send in what you need for the future in your field. So that's definitely a word about preparation, isn't it? In the next six months. In the next six months will be a great time for us to start really being serious about watching and praying and asking and seeking the understanding. Because if we seek understanding, we ask God for understanding, he'll give us the understanding. What Chuck makes a great point in this word. He says that don't forget, as the financial systems start to crash, yeah, wealth doesn't go away. The wealth is always there. It's just been transferred. Yeah? So once we start to understand that and start to pray into that, we can see what we need. God will provide for us. It's always there. Yeah? And he has his hand. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah? So it's just a question of us saying, Lord, will you guide my path through this maze? Because the world will be looking at a different path. And what we know, because they think that's the way forward. And we've got to be saying, no. (laughs) This is the path that God's telling me and us to walk upon. So how are we going to get there from where we are now? How are we going to get to that place? Jenny, um, months ago, Jenny passed the word out to some of us that she read. And it, and it, and it talks about five major changes coming to the church. It talks about ancient and emerging. It's, about, it's a biblical structure that has been largely forsaken. And I just want to outline these five major changes. Not because it's a word that we read and thought, yeah, we need to get on board. Purely because when I read these changes, you will see that God's been talking to us about it for a few years. And we are already starting down that path. So the first one is that services will become more like prayer meetings. See, if you look around the church, prayer is not currently the main driving force of the church. People don't tend to, you to choose churches based on the fervency of prayer. They might choose a church based on the style of worship, or they like the worship leader, or they've got good children's work, or they like the people who do the teaching. But very rarely do people say, they've got a hunger for prayer and a fire in prayer. This is where I need to be. See, the church is to be a house of prayer for all nations. It's very simple, really where every person will function as a burning intercessor and services marked by this unified groan of fiery prayer. Every person will function as a burning intercessor, and that's every person here. Not because you're coming to Can, but because you're a Bible-believing, God-fearing, spirit-filled believer. That's why we should all be functioning. Yeah, we got on the board there, pray unceasingly. We don't. I don't. Now I'm not <laughs> it's a fact. So but on this one I will look on him who is poor of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Do we tremble at God's word? The enemy does. The enemy does. And we don't realise at times the power in God's word because we don't tremble enough 
at God's word. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. It's Revelation 8, 3. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints under the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Little glimpse of the role of the the church in the end times. Heavenly fire brings incineration. Everything that stands against the kingdom of God and the return of Jesus Christ to the earth will be incinerated when the fire starts to pour out of heaven. And heavenly fire brings empowerment. It enables us, as his people, to stand against overwhelming odds in the days to come. And the heavenly fire is partly a result of the prayers of the saints. That's awesome, isn't it? To think that our, our little efforts during the week on a Sunday morning are, are starting to fill up those golden bowls that will result in God's wrath being poured out. We should be asking God, quite simply, Lord, what are the concerns of the kingdom that I am to be concerned with? Because we're all going to be concerned with different aspects of the kingdom. You know, we've got a number of topics on the board there that we were praying about this morning. And people have got a heart for different aspects. And that's fine, because it all works together. So that's the first point out of the five. Services will become more like prayer meetings. So we, we talked about it, and we've made some kind of transition, but our Sundays will start to change a bit more of the focus. The second, the second point, the second change coming, is that personal need will give way to personal mission. Personal need will give way to personal mission. Now, some use the church as a way to get their personal needs met instead of serving it as a minister of God. Now, personal ministry and true needs should be addressed. It was right to get people out for prayer this morning. It was absolutely right, because that's part of what we do, body ministry. But we need to be equipped for service, not for personal survival. Mission will take precedence. And apostles will lead with governmental authority. The days of the pastoral-led churches will have to come to an end because there's a bigger picture. There's a greater power. There's a greater empowerment coming on the church that needs to be released. So personal need will give way to personal mission. And those are some of the questions and choices that we face individually. What is my personal need? How's that going to get dealt with? Because God wants to deal with the smallest details in our life but not necessarily in a corporate meeting. We need to be, yeah, just praying into that individually. Three, teaching will be minimised while instruction is emphasised. What's the difference, you may say? Teaching is mostly for personal edification and instruction mostly for corporate assignments. See, we can all go out onto the internet 
And we can download, we can download the whole of IHOP teaching, basically, all free. We could puff ourselves up with teaching, yeah, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. To what end? To what end? We need the revelation and the principles because God's got work for us to do. Big work for us to do. It says it, yeah, we're calling it here um, corporate assignments. And it, it may be. It may, we've got one coming up, haven't we? Across the road. We've got some evangelism. It may be that we say, right, we believe that this week, this week, we need to be thinking about fasting corporately and we need to be praying into one thing maybe. Because that, yeah, it might be that we say, right, we don't want this mosque in Burton. We are calling it, you know, Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks. Yeah, and after that, his words, well, when he started to do that, his words were heard. But he still had to go through and do the three weeks. The angel said, yeah, I came because of your words. When, when you changed your heart, yeah, that moment of heart change, when you purposed your heart to do this, I was sent. How awesome is that? When we purpose our heart, yeah, individually it works, we can do it at home, but there's a power in saying if we purpose our heart corporately, yeah, maybe, maybe we can see real shifts in this town. Real shifts in, yeah? And, you know, and, and some of us here have had the privilege of going out. Dit's been with me. Uh, Jill's been with me. Helen has been out to see some cap clients. And we've seen a different side of community. Yeah? That many of us haven't seen before. Yet, what we've seen is probably quite representative of large portions of the people living in certainly certain parts of the town, yet we're quite blind to it because we, we've not experienced it. Yeah? And we've seen that it's not just about debt and poverty, it's about the stuff that comes with that. It's about the shame, it's about the guilt, it's about the rejection, it's about all the stuff that comes with that. And it's about maybe the physical ailments, maybe, that come with that too. And the reason that CAP partners with the church is that we are the only people who can help bring fullness of answer to that and minister into all of those needs. Yeah, we, can, we want to deal with the finances and we want people out of the prison of debt and lack. But we want to see people healed physically, emotionally, families made whole. Yeah? And we're going to get there. Because guess what God's called us to do? But it might be, we say, right, we want to, we want to focus on poverty for a, a period. Yeah? We might want to focus on sickness because we're still playing with it. Not playing with sickness, but we're playing with, yeah? Pray unceasingly. Yeah? God's got a... Uh, God. Mike has got a great chapter in, in, uh, in one of his books about... Um, Characteristics of effective prayer, and I, I might bring that another time. But you know, basically, what he's saying is about praying with fervency, praying with zest, yeah, praying unceasingly. And you could say, if we don't, we're not that concerned. If we don't, we're we're not feeling it. We're not feeling the pain of the other person. 
we're not to, to I'm not saying we take it on, but if we want to see things changed, yeah, if we want to see Duncan healed, yeah, maybe it takes a bit more than we're doing, and that's not. I don't want to be condemning, but maybe it does take a bit more than we're currently willing to do. Our mission, as I said, is preparing, mobilizing, positioning to prepare others, believers, for Jesus' coming. Personal growth, it's our responsibility, you and me, yeah, between services to prepare ourselves for what God's doing. Because it's not going to happen here on a Sunday morning. It's our responsibility to get into the Word. It's our responsibility to seek God individually, to prepare ourselves for the assignments, to prepare ourselves for, for our part in the, and our place in the big picture of what God's trying to do. Number four, we'll gather most days of the week. Can you see, I'm not, saying, I'm not preaching this because it was a word that oh, we now need to do this, this and this. We've been doing some of this for a while. God started us on the track of meeting every day a year or so ago. We did 50 days of worship, 50 days of prayer and fasting. And now, you know, we had had the word about 100 days of intercession and digging trenches. God's got us on that track. And again, I'm not blowing our own trumpet, but thankfully we're listening and we're saying, yeah, Lord, we're responding. We will gather most days of the week. We meet here every day of the week. Yeah? talks about here the um 24 7 church is emerging as the as the church begins to drive culture instead of reacting to it i like that we shouldn't be reacting to what's going on we should be in the driving seat and to be honest the more we meet the more we pray with fervency and zeal the more that's going to happen we will simplify and begin to put corporate prayer and mission ahead of everything else this is the key choice that we have to make as individuals, isn't it? What am I willing to put down, turn off, turn away from, to get in his face? And we need to do that on two levels, don't we? We need to get in our own prayer closet, close the door, and it's me and him. We also need to be saying, right, there's a, there's a corporate need, because I want to join with others. We need to be thinking about being kingdom ambassadors, not just setting Sunday aside as part of our normal life. You know, well, we've got our normal life Monday to Saturday, oh, and then Sunday we go to church. Change about changing mindsets. And five, worship will be supernaturally driven. A new sound of intercessory worship. A new breed of trembling worship leaders will lead the way into the shock and awe of the glory of God. Cindy told us in October, we're at the beginning of the highway of holiness. Jeremiah 31, 21 says, set up signposts, make landmarks, set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin Israel, turn back to these your cities. Signposts and landmarks would point, would point out the way to the people's homeland. More importantly, Israel was instructed to set its heart toward the way that is a path of faith in its God. And I think the same, the same is, is said to us today, that we are to set up signposts and landmarks that point the way forward. Because with all that's, you know, we won't know the way forward. 
the government won't know the way forward. But God's calling us to set up those signposts, set up those landmarks, and point the way home. Because that's what it's all about. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Now that's a challenge. A little, note, a little uh, quote from Bob Sorge regarding that, uh, that Psalm 101. Six. He says, It's not referring to sinless perfection, but rather to a blameless lifestyle that is not subject to the reproach or criticism by those who live closest to you. How about that as a challenge? Can we say we're in that position? That no one has got anything on us. <laughs> the reward... Yeah. The reward of this consecration is the exhilarating intimacy of standing continually in his presence. Holiness is a life lived before the throne of God. And that's what God's calling us to. Just and holy men cause kings to fear. Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man. How many of us can say that my boss fears me? Because he knows I'm a just and holy person. That's awesome. John was set apart for God. He carried the presence of God, a man of heaven living on earth. He lived in the presence of God. I know that's about the spirit and power of Elijah, but that's another day. But Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man. So where are we then in moving forward? Services becoming more like prayer meetings. Can you see it? That, you know, and that's not to say, it's just, yeah, worship, prayer, together. Prophetic worship, prophetic prayer. Praying, yeah, it doesn't all have to be about the prophetic. Yeah, one of the most powerful things we can do is to pray the word of God. So, yeah, it's not about you're doing it right, you're doing it wrong. You're praying, and are you praying? Yeah, if all else fails, read the word of God as a prayer. You cannot go wrong. And you know what? God listened to Hannah's voice when she was praying before Eli, when she whispered to God. Eli couldn't hear her, but God heard her. Yeah, She wasn't shouting and screaming. She was just whispering out of her heart to God, who heard her. Samuel was born, and she had, what, five other kids or whatever as well. Yeah? It's all about our heart and if our heart says Lord I want to seek you because I want what you've got for me and I want what you've got for my family I want what you've got for my neighborhood I want what you've got for the people I work with the company I work with I want you what you've got for the school I work in that's what it takes because the angel came to Daniel the moment he said yeah in his heart yeah I'm changing my heart because this is what I want that's the way we're going to get angelic release when we start to change our heart and purpose our heart. And if we start to purpose our heart, if we start to purpose our heart, services will become more like prayer meetings. Won't need anyone from the front to tell us, because it will. If we start to purpose our heart, personal need will give way to the greater picture, the mission. We won't need to be receiving a lot of teaching because we'll be getting revelation and we'll be doing it ourselves. 
feeding, yeah, it's our own manner. If we start to purpose our heart, we'll want to gather here seven days a week. We won't just want to do it for an hour. We want to carry on. If we start to purpose our heart, here's one, we won't want half an hour coffee bait. We'll want to go straight from the watch into what we've just been to if we start to purpose our heart. And worship is being supernaturally driven. So should we stand? Lord, Lord, as we went into this last month of the year, we know it's not too late. We know it's not too late, Lord. And we say, Lord, we want this to be a transitional month for us individually, for us corporately. Lord, we want this to be a transitional month for this town and the church in this town and the businesses in this town, Lord, and the councils in this town, Lord. We want this to be a transitional month, Lord, for the church in this town to get up and raise its voice, Lord, against this mosque that's been built in this town, Lord. We want this to be a transitional month, Lord, that said God is coming back to rule and reign in Burton-on-Trent. And Lord, we want it to be a transitional month in our lives personally. Lord, we want the fire, the fire of God in our hearts, Lord, that you will transition us, Lord, away from the stuff we do each week, Father, that is not of you. I'm not talking about sin, Lord. I'm just talking about the stuff that we do is not of you. Lord, we want to be transitioned to want to spend time in your presence. Oh, Lord. Lord, you're calling us to make some big decisions. You are stirring us up here this morning, Lord, and have been stirring us up for a while. Lord, we can't, we can't go on the way we have been going on, Lord. Dear, already said it, Lord. We can't do the same tomorrow that we did today and expect things to be different, Lord. We have to get to that stage where we initiate changes, where we drive changes in our own lives, Lord, and we say, Lord, we've sung it, Lord, come and have your way. Come and have, that's all we can say, Lord. Come and have your way. We give you free reign, Lord, to make the transitions in our lives, Lord, to turn us around, that we would be, Lord, who you call us to be, that we would be, Father, rightly positioned, rightly faced, Lord. Lord, may your fire, as we leave this place today, Lord, may your fire so burn in our hearts that tomorrow, Lord, has to be different. Lord, as we meet for prayer this week, Lord, I pray that it will be such a, a week full of fire-filled, zealous prayers, Lord, that reflect your heart, Lord. And Lord, we ask, we ask that question, Lord, what are the concerns of the kingdom that I need to be concerned with this week? What are the concerns of the kingdom that we individually, Lord, need, need to be concerned with this week? Lord, we don't even have to share it, Lord. But Lord, we want to know what is on your heart for us this week. Because our prayers will make a difference, Lord. When we start to pray in agreement with your will and your plan, Lord, we can be confident, Lord, that you hear our words. And those words affect change. So yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.